1: Hello, I'm Kathy Worthington. Today on Late Boomers, we have as our guest Brendan Kumarasami, founder of Master Talk, a coaching business that helps executives and business owners become better communicators in their industries so they can accelerate their success in the workplace and in their personal lives. And I'm Mary
2: Elkins. His Master Talk has coached executives from companies such as Salesforce, Amazon, IBM. Morgan Stanley, Verizon, J. Walter Tam- Thompson, and more. So Brendan, he has also hosted and continues to host a YouTube channel by the same name with over 11,000 subscribers. Welcome, Brendan.
3: Hey, it's great to be here, you too. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Thanks. Great having you.
1: Where did the idea for Master Talk come from? And please tell our listeners about your journey and what led you to follow this career path.
3: Yeah, absolutely, Kathy. So it all started when I was in business school. I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. Mm -hmm. So while other guys my age are like playing baseball or rugby or football or some sport that they can get hurt in, not not my cup of tea, I did presentations (laughs) competitively. And that's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching a lot of the students in university and college to just help them out. I wasn't really charging them anything. It was just for the competitions. Mm -hmm. And that just bred the idea for the YouTube channel because I realized, oh, everything that I'm sharing with them isn't really available for free on the internet. So I started making videos and it turned to something I never thought it would.
2: Did anyone pave the way for you? Did you have mentors or people who
3: influenced you? Oh yeah, absolutely, Mary. Definitely had a lot of mentors. One thing I will add, though, is most of those mentors are heroes. So Seth Godin says it so well. He says the difference between a mentor and a hero is a mentor, someone who guides you that you have uh, contact with that you can actually talk to, like the conversation we're having now. And a hero is someone that you look up to, but you never get to meet in your life. So because I didn't really have a lot of money growing up, most of my mentors were heroes. like I, I couldn't really talk to Drake. No, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. I could <laughs> yeah, Drake. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> talk to, let's say, Bill Gates or something. But in terms of mentors, yes, absolutely. Like my business partner, you know, the guy that I, that entered in a different name on this podcast. So he, he's the one who helped me build up the business and monetize what I was sharing on YouTube.
1: Wow. Oh, good. Nice to have a partner like that. That helps. Oh yeah. And what would you say is the most important aspect of effective communication?
3: Yeah. I would say the most important one, Kathy is finding the motivation to take it seriously. Because a lot of us, when we think of communication, we go, yeah, well, I can talk. So I guess I can communicate, right? Whereas Mm -hmm. my perspective has always been this question, right? How would our life change if we became exceptional communicators? Because it's so much more than just doing well in the boardroom. Obviously, a lot of my clients are executives. But I would say in the context of the show, it's more about all of us. Because communication is every moment of our life. It's the way that we talk to our family. It's the way that we argue with our family. It's the way that we order food at a restaurant. It's the way that we meet strangers when we travel. And that's really the way that I see it. So communication is about how do we improve every moment of our life so we can lead a more fulfilling life.
2: I love that. And wow. it's, I guess the communication
1: with yourself as well. So you
2: believe it.
3: Absolutely. And can
2: you
1: elaborate a little bit more on that, on the effective communication, like, what would you coach about that?
3: For sure, Kathy. So effective communication in my eyes just means we're juggling 18 balls at the same time, which of course isn't easy, right? Because one of those balls is eye contact. One of those balls is smiling. One of those balls is not saying, um, uh, blah, blah right? So you've got mm-hmm. all these. So the trick is we need to juggle one ball at a time. Like in the same way, when both of you started this podcast, you probably talked over each other a lot. And then over time, you kind of developed a chemistry and you got better together, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the same thing with effective communication. What is the first ball that we need to learn how to juggle? For me, it's the motivation question. How would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? Reflect on that question. So you have the motivation to do the rest. And the second ball is what I call the random word exercise. So the random word exercise is really simple. You pick a random word like phone like headset like wall like eyes and you create presentations out of thin air and that allows you to make sense out of nonsense pretty much and builds your resilience as a speaker
2: sort of like improv in a way and that leads to my next question which was really about how people practice to achieve better communication skills can you elaborate on that
3: more Absolutely right. Happy to. So I call this my easy threes. So the first one is the random word exercise that we talked about, which is you pick a bunch of random words. I, I encourage people to do this with their families, you can do this with your nieces, your nephews, your kids, significant others. It's fun, right? That's the goal is to make things fun, not a because the problem is we see communication like a chore. It's like doing the dishes and no one wants to get better at doing the dishes. That's why I like making it fun. So that's the first thing. The second exercise I recommend is what I call question drills. We get asked questions all the time, you two. We get asked questions in a podcast, uh, family members, Did you take out the trash? We get asked questions there too. We get asked questions from our kids, our nieces, everybody. But we're not proactive. We're reactive to the questions that we get asked. So if somebody asks us a question, we go, oh, I don't really thought about that. Like I remember two years ago, somebody asked me, where does the fear of communication come from? I was like, well, I don't know, San Diego, LA, Utah. <laughs> or, you know, I don't know. Not there. Right. I don't think so. Maybe. Who knows? But that's the thing. So I didn't know. So every day, what you want to do is for three to five minutes a day, you want to reflect on one question that you think someone's going to ask you. But if you spend five minutes every day answering one question and you do that for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions about your expertise. Wow. Right. Exactly. You'd be like unbeatable in your industry.
1: So is it hard to think of the questions, every day a new question?
3: Great, great follow-up, Kathy. So at the beginning, it's not hard because it's just, you know, you come up with them. But you're right, after a few days, it gets hard. So what do you do? Super simple. Uh, You just ask your audience, the people you want to serve, what questions they have for you. And you just make a list and you just take their questions. And that's why Mm -hmm. I I like doing this because you two will probably ask me a question that I didn't really think of. And then I go, oh, that's good. And then I figure out an answer to it.
1: Wow something I never, ever thought about, making yeah. the questions ahead of time.
2: Yeah, perhaps we have to think of another one now just out of the blue.
1: <laughs> yeah. And why do you think people struggle so much with public speaking? And what do you think is the biggest challenge people face with that?
3: 100% Kathy. I would say the struggle is really the motivation, but also the fear that's embedded to us by the education system. So I'll explain a little bit. Where do we learn how to present? Right, Simple question. The answer is school, high school, elementary school. Mm -hmm. That's where we learn how to speak. But the problem is all of those presentations have three things in common. Number one, all of them are mandatory. We don't wake up one morning and say, Hey, Kathy, Mary, you guys wanna get breakfast and present all day? So it's like nobody ever, right? Like nobody sounded like you did. Right? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I'm the actually no, at the beginning when I was younger. Definitely not. I, I know we were, we were joking around the French a little earlier. So for those who don't know, I'm based in Montreal. Montreal's a city. You need to not speak French, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't know French. I'm fluent now. But the reason I'm fluent is because I studied my whole life in French. So that sounds cool, but it wasn't cool at all because I was presenting a language I didn't know. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are uncomfortable presenting. I was presenting a language I didn't know. So when I was in first grade, I was like, uh, bonjour. And that was my life (laughs) as a kid. So, so yes, I I was actually one of the kids who didn't like you I also have a crooked left arm. Mm -hmm. So, because of a surgery I had when I was younger. So, yeah, I I sucked too. But, but
1: anyways. So, you got bullied?
3: A little, not, you know, normally I would say yes to the question, but because I'm Canadian, the answer actually ended up not as much as you'd think Mm -hmm. because the Canadian kids were really nice. I think I probably got bullied once or twice in my life. (laughs) <laughs> but never uh, it was never a consi- if i was american i probably got bullied a little bit more i'll be honest but
1: <laughs> yeah but but back to this thing right. what do you think is the biggest challenge that people face with public speaking
3: right so so going back to the the analogy we talked about so all the presentations are mandatory right right but, but there's two other pieces as well every presentation is different so we don't we don't get a choice Hey, Kathy, Mary, what are you passionate about? What do you want to present? We never get asked that question in the education system. It's always you got to talk about the history of Missouri. And you're like, what? Hey, what, what? And then the other presentation, you got to talk about the Renaissance. And then after that, you got to talk about Shakespeare. It doesn't really make any sense. You're not really presenting something you care about. And the third problem, which is the most important one, is every presentation, Kathy and Mary, is tied to a punishment. Like, we don't do a great <laughs> job. You got to slap. You you lose like 30% of your grade. So Mm. what does that mean? So to answer the question, what it means is we grow up believing that communication is a chore. That's why we struggle with it because we don't see it as a great thing to do. So what's the remedy? The remedy is see it as a tool for impact. So we talked about the two. The third piece, the last exercise is actually the most important, which is make a list of the people that you love. That's it. Make a list of the people that you love. And ask yourself a simple question. When was the last time you sent them a video message? Just telling them that you care about them, telling them that you're thinking about them. And the answer you two is never for most of us. So be the person who does it. You'll realize it's helpful for people. It makes people's day. And that's what communication is for.
2: I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, that that whole um, moment reminded me of a presentation I had to do when I was I don't know, junior high school. And I got up there and I had a great beginning planned. But after that, I had nothing. And I stood up there with my mouth open and went, okay, now what do I say? (laughs) Mm. So that was pretty scary. Um, And on a similar note, do you have advice for the introverts among us in a business setting or say at a dinner with strangers or even on a first date? (laughs)
3: I love that. Absolutely. Barry. So what I would say for introverts is understand your strengths, because a lot of people who are introverted don't actually know their strengths. And it surprised me over the years because introverts generally think that they're not great communicators, which isn't true. A lot of the best communicators on the planet are actually introverted. Like, think about it, you two. Is everyone in theater really extroverted? All of them? No. Like, that would make sense. Statistically, anyways. So what's the key? The key is introverts do three things much better than an extrovert can, and trust me, I'm an extrovert, so I'll take my word for it, as you probably guessed from hearing me talk. <laughs> so, so, all right. so there's three things that introverts do better than me that I had to learn. It took me many years, but they learned in seconds. Very good at pausing. Introverts are really good at taking a beat because they're comfortable in silence because they speak less. Whereas me, I'm a talker, as you can tell, a master talker, right? So I'm always talking, talking, talking on podcasts. So whenever I run a bar, I'm at a party and there's a space, it bothers me. I go like, oh, like what's your favorite color? Like, let's just keep talking. So that's the first mm-hmm. problem. Introverts can learn that in a few seconds. Second piece that introverts do well, very good at listening. Very, very good. Once again, I yap all the time. So because I yap, I'm not listening. Whereas introverts, exceptional at listening. Because they spend less time talking. So they're able to adapt the message more effectively. The third one that's not known is that introverts are actually a lot more accessible as speakers. So what does that mean? That means that let's say we take somebody like Gary Vaynerchuk, right, the CEO of VaynerMedia, has a massive personal brand. So let's say we take him. He's very controversial. That's why he's an extroverted speaker. I personally like the guy. But you either like him or you don't. There's no middle ground with him. No one's going to say I'm indifferent towards this individual. But when we think about Brene Brown, Susan Cain, Simon Sinek, nobody says the following words. I hate Brene Brown. If you say that, the cops will be after you. You can't do that. (laughs) She's great. She's great. And you can't say otherwise. And that's the magic of introverts. You're just more accessible. So there you go.
2: Oh, that's wonderful. But what, what about in like Dinner with Strangers, where you're sitting next to somebody you have to speak with, especially if you're involved in politics, say, or anything like that, and you have to have a conversation, or on a first date.
3: Absolutely. So so there's a couple of things that that I'll say. The first one is, let's go to the edge case a little bit later, Mary. So let's worry about the politicians later, because I don't even like politicians anyway, so let's not help. (laughs) Like, why are we helping, though? It doesn't matter, because most of them, anyways, I don't (laughs) want to get into politics too much. So let's start with the first thing. I don't like the the word have to, right? So for me, it's all about dreaming first. So let's do the easy thing first. Because the easy thing is what helps us celebrate life. Because if I came on this podcast like other communication coaches do, which I hate by the way. Yeah, the fear is rampant. You're all going to die. And the other thing close to communication is death. That's what most people say. Like there's a full. I don't know if quote, that you guys. I'd rather be in the casket than give the eulogy. It's kind of like the typical mm-hmm. right. And I'm just looking at this. Like, that's how you help people. It's like, how you get the result. So what's my advice for introverts for and then I'll give you specifics, Mary, on, on how to deal with those situations. I would say talk to people you want to talk to start practicing people you actually like because that's what gives you confidence to talk to other people because you can't get along with everybody there's going to be some people you're saying them you're like jesus like why am i talking to this person so basically uh-huh. what my recommendation is even if you're an introvert you can network out of your closet that's why i say it make a list of your top five favorite people send them video messages pour more love into them the people you already like People you can stand. The people like you two. I'm sure you two love each other, right? So like send <laughs> each other video messages. And then what you do is have those five people introduce the introvert to their favorite people. That's the best way to talk, right? Don't just go to random dinners and be like, shit, I got to talk to people. But having said that, what Mary said is very important. Because introverts got to go on dates. They got to meet people. And, and introverts actually, I find, do this better than extroverts. They just ask really good questions. That's it. So just improve your ability to ask questions and just listen. That's it.
1: So that'd be your first date advice too, right?
3: Oh yeah. And it works so well because people get me talking on, on uh, dates or whatever. And I just go, yeah, I love this person. (laughs) So there you go.
1: I know (laughs) we all know people that never stop talking. And when they leave, they say, Oh, it was so great talking with you, but I realize I haven't said a word. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. Amazing. And, What would be your advice on how to present succinctly in any setting?
3: Absolutely. So for me, clarity, Kathy, comes from, in being succinct, it's just the idea of auditing what you say. So what I always like to say is it's hard for us to be succinct in every single context, but in specific areas of life, it's easier to be succinct. Let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's say you have to give a presentation, a sales presentation, and you're always selling the same product. So if you're selling that same product, there's an opportunity in that area to be more succinct because you're doing the same thing over and over again. And for us to do that, all we have to do is ask ourselves a simple question. That I got from kevin Systrom, the, the founder of instagram and kevin simply says this if you had to remove if you had to remove one part about my speech what would you remove and why so let me repeat that one again if you had to remove one part of my speech one part of my let's say one question from this interview uh one answer that i gave on this podcast which one would you remove and why the reason why I like this question is because it forces negative feedback because most people, when you ask for feedback, they just go, Oh yeah, you're great. You're great. You're star. Mm -hmm. Just keep it up. Right. But this question makes people think, Oh, well, if I had to remove something, I would do this. And I did that ruthlessly with my ability to guest on podcasts. Obviously I'm not perfect, but because I get asked this, no one's asked me my favorite colors, right? You too. Like, People are asking uh-huh. me to communicate. So I, I do the question over and over again, and I ask myself, because when I used to do it, where does the fear of communication come from, right? The joke we talked about earlier, I used to do in like uh-huh. San Diego or something. But then over time, my, the quality of my ability to answer that same question increased over time because of the question drills. So that's one way you can be succinct, is trying to commute the same message over and over again until only the essential remains.
1: Ah. And asking people to remove something forces them to actually listen to what you said.
3: Correct. I love that. And they probably haven't heard what you
1: said. She was listening. Until you ask them to remove something and then they're like, oh, I spaced out. I don't know what to do. Yeah,
3: exactly. I love that (laughs) add-on.
2: That's great. Um, People are often... Understood in virtual settings. So what's your advice on virtual presentations?
3: Absolutely, Mary. So what I would say is that the difference between online and offline, so in person, is three things. Number one is eye contact. So an online is pretty easy. Whether you're speaking to one or 10,000 people, you just got to look in one direction, which is the lens of the camera. Because if you do that, whether you're looking at one or 10,000 people, it gives the illusion that you're looking at everyone at the same time. In-person, though, it's different advice. You got to move your head around based on the number of people in the room so that you feel that sense of connection. You can't just look in one area the entire time. It looks really bizarre in person, but -hmm. it's the right thing to do online. So that's one. Second is energy. Let's face it. If we were in person for this podcast, even if we all have great energy right now, it would always be higher. It's hard to replicate that emotion because there's touch, there's discussion, there's lunch after. It's just more of that human connectivity. So my advice is simply this: bring more energy in person and transfer as much of that energy as possible to online. When I started podcasting, I sucked because it was really weird for me. I would like meet people like okay, like they know everything about my life. And I don't know who they are. And I have to pretend I do know them. And it's really bizarre. But then over time, as you get better at these things, you can really speak to people as if you've known them for the past 10 years. And that's the key that you, you thrive towards. And then finally, number three is audience accessibility. So audience accessibility just means this. If I want feedback, let's say after I give a speech, I can just get lunch with both of you if I'm in person because we're just there. So like, mm-hmm. what did you think of that? What would you change? Like, it's very organic, but online, very difficult because the call just ends mm-hmm. and then everyone just disappears. So what you need to do is you need to force that interaction. So whenever you have a presentation, get on a call with somebody that you know is going to be there and bring those relationships in person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's great. I think you've touched on why so many people hate being on Zoom. Because I, I have friends like in a book group where it's preferable to be on Zoom because of COVID or whatever, or somebody's got it or whatever, and they still don't want to do it. They're like, no, I have that for business. I don't want that for a book group, or I don't want that for friendship. And I think you've touched on why it is, because we're, we're not feeling at all like we're in the room. How do you run meetings effectively? Or how do any of us run meetings effectively?
3: Absolutely I'm sure
1: you do it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <We're> all- <laughs> With that energy. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're all works in progress, right? I'm always I'm always trying to get better, too. But I would say three main questions, keeping simple today. What's the goal of the meeting? What are we contributing in the meeting? And how can we communicate our ideas effectively? from the contribution so let me give you a quick example let me repeat that as again actually mm-hmm. what is the goal of the meeting mm-hmm. what is my contribution to me so why am i in the meeting and then the third question is with that contribution in mind how do i communicate the ideas in a way that is inspiring and adds value to people because you can have the right goal you can have the right contribution but if you communicate it like this and you don't really care it doesn't it doesn't land in the right way hmm Let's go through these three questions. Number one, what's the goal? You'll realize when you ask yourself this question that 10% of the meetings on your calendar next week, you shouldn't be in them because you don't oh. know why the meeting is there. <laughs> <laughs> so I just gave 10%, True. right? So that's one. Number two. So for the other 90%, you'll ask yourself the second question. Well, what well, okay, the goal's clear? Why am I in the meeting? And then you'll realize another 10% of those meetings, well, yeah, this meeting's important, but like I shouldn't be in this meeting. Like, there's no point. I'll just be listening. And then you cancel another 10% of the meeting. So we just saved 20% of our life. <laughs> That's mm. second. Right? <laughs> like, for awesome. example, right? Like this call, I have to be on it. Like, I'm the one, like, uh, and you two have to be on it too. Like, until we get into have robots and stuff kind of doing these interviews for us. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then the last piece is for the last 80%. How do I communicate my ideas in this meeting, my contribution, why I'm there in a way that inspires and adds value? So what that simply means is write down those key ideas, not for all of your meetings, but let's just say the most important one of the week. Let's say you got a sales call. Maybe it's a hard conversation with your significant other, whatever the the meeting is, and prepare for that one. And write it out and practice those key points. And you'll do way better in meetings than like 95% of people just by doing that.
2: I think, I think you it- just answered the thought I just had to ask you about. Um, and it's it's really about everyone in a meeting, but many female executives say they aren't heard when they present an idea. Yet when a male executive presents the same idea, they seem to be heard. So mm. what's your advice on effective communication for everyone, which in a way you might have answered,
3: or is there more? Definitely, Mary. I'm glad, I'm glad you prompted the fall because there is advice specifically for female executives because a lot of my clients are female executives. So the advice is a bit different. It's not really related to communication necessarily. So the first piece I'll say is always focus on what we can control, right? So all the tips that I shared, a lot of women don't do it. A lot of men don't do it. So just do it. So, that's, so always be the best in the boardroom and you'll stand out in the boardroom. But there's a caveat. The c- caveat is remember that you are the prize. And the reason I say that, okay, and, I, and I'm very specific with what I mean as the prize, you are the person that other people want to be in your company. I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay, I'll try and hide a few details. So I coach like a, a very senior executive at a big tech company. Let's say, I don't know, Amazon. Let's just put that company there as a placeholder. And she's very senior level. She's like the most senior black woman American in the entire company. Like she's a baller baller complete baller and I'm on a call with her let's call her Julia just for purposes of confidentiality and and then I asked Julia I go so I was like she's like oh my boss like doesn't listen to me uh, they, they don't take me seriously and she's doing all of them because she's into my program so she's doing all the right things and she's crushing it like she's just like amazing but when but the men leadership team is just not respecting what she's saying and I go You do realize, Julia, that you're the most senior executive in your department, right? And she goes, yeah. So I go, well, if you knock on Facebook's door, if you knock on Google's door, do you think they'll give you a job? And then Julia goes, well, yeah, of course they will. Then I go, exactly, because you're the prize. So start acting like the prize. All you need to be the prize is have two job offers, the one that you have and the one that you get. So if you have two job offers, you have all the leverage because you could only work at one company. So what's the next step? So this is what I have her do is I have her interview at all the big tech companies. Well, if you're not going to respect me, let's go find a leader who can. And then, and then I have that woman have an interview call with once she has the offer, which she will because she's a baller, with all of the leadership team and meet them for coffee and see what their leadership style is. And then we just pick the best leader. That's it. Problem solved.
2: Ah. That's a big
3: ask. A lot to think about. I mean, it's a lot for her to do. Right. But that work is necessary because she's investing her most precious resource in her company and it's not her money, it's her time. So she needs to invest the right, like for me, my whole life, that's why I give that advice to my executives. I've only had great bosses. I haven't had a shitty boss once in my career, not once in my, in the short corporate career I had, I worked at IBM PricewaterhouseCoopers, but that wasn't an accident even when I was a kid looking for jobs, I had coffees with all the senior level executives because they wanted to meet the 19-year-old kid who was meeting executive. Who's this is kid? So I got many job offers. So I just picked the best leader. And every woman can do that too. It's just they don't put themselves out there. It's like the job description. That's what they need someone like me to like push them a little bit, twist their arm a little bit. But I think the point is, and I know you both hear it all the time, there's a job description. Women can do 80% of the role. And she goes, I'm not a fit. A man looks at that role and goes, I can do 40% of this, and I am the fit. Mm-hmm. So we need to change, in, even if the person isn't. So we need to change that mindset for women. How do you yeah, do that?
1: I was going to ask you about how women moving up the ladder, so to speak, and not the prize of the company, can, you know, can make themselves be heard.
3: Ah, I'm glad you asked that question, Kathy. So obviously being a man, it's always, it would be great to get a woman's perspective as well on this. I'd love to hear from both of you, but my vantage point is very simple. I believe that the prize is not a title. It is a mindset. Okay. So, so what I mean by that is by mindset, even someone who's really junior because I've coached junior females on this too, is if they believe they'll become an executive in seven years they are the prize because they're the all star in the department. So, even if somebody's at the lowest level, they're outputting 10 times more than the next employee. So, basically, what I encourage women to do in this situation, which is exactly what men do, it's just they don't need coaching on it because they just do it on their own because they think they're worth more than they actually are. And <laughs> women always under, and by the way, I know that because I coach a lot of women. So, I have to be pragmatic to both sides. So, given that, what I, what I get women to do, I force them essentially, is they have to interview every year for different companies. That's it. Because wow. they'll never negotiate their salary. They'll never ask for more. So I just go, let's see what the market's willing to offer. So I don't even tell them to negotiate. They're too scared to do it. So I go, go, go interview at Amazon. What are they worth? 150 Boom. And then, and then she's working at 130 It's like, well, you better ask for 150 or else you're going to leave the company, right? And she goes, yeah. And then that's it. That's how we get them salaries. So a lot of it is a true belief in your own worth. Correct. But I don't I don't make it about like kumbaya. I just have them interview. You don't have to take my word for it. I'm a dude. You don't have to listen to me when I'm coaching Julia. but did you interview at Amazon today? Oh no, I didn't. But they gave you an interview, didn't they? So go and interview. You tell me what you're worth. And then she comes back, she goes, Oh, well, they offered me 180. And I was like, okay, well, there you go.
1: Hmm. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: My gosh. These are some really good ideas for all of our listeners to digest and really sink their teeth into and what would you like our listeners to have as their main takeaway from our conversation today
3: absolutely yeah this is great but i'm glad you asked me the womaning because a lot of people but don't
1: before that i really do want to know your favorite color
3: <laughs> <laughs> i think my favorite color is either blue or emerald green
1: ah yeah. yeah, it changes from day to day, probably. It, it changes it, from
2: day to day. Like eyes, yeah. Like, How uh, yeah, come? Like, Is there a story behind that?
3: The, I wish. No there's, no, there's no cool story. I just find both of those colors cool, like navy blue and emerald green. I just think they're both good. They,
1: they go, go good well. together.
3: Together. Yeah,
1: yeah. It really <laughs> nice. we, said it. we both said the
3: same thing. Yeah, so there you go. yeah I, I would say the key takeaway goes back to the question we talked about earlier, you two how would your life change if you became an exceptional communicator a lot of people when i ask that question their general mindset reflex oh that's cute that's a cute question i would encourage you to take the question seriously spend 10 to 15 minutes really reflecting on the answer how would my life change because if you spend that i've spent seven years thinking about the question but if you spend 15 minutes just thinking about it, you'll start to see possibilities for your life that you didn't really think of before, especially in the context of the angle we went through in the last few minutes. A woman listening to this who writes on the question go, might realize after that, that that written exercise, hey, wait a second, that dude is my boss. I'm like three times more productive than that person. I'm pretty sure I can do better, right? So, so different insights will come. So I encourage people to just reflect. Mm-hmm.
1: That's
2: a, that's a wonderful it. question to ask yourself. And do you did you ask yourself when that question when you were younger?
3: I did, but it was a bit different. So it wasn't as direct. So basically, what happened with me, Mary, is I, I figured out how to be a great speaker, kind of organically through trial and error. And then I reverse engineered my own success through questions and frameworks and ideas so people can actually understand what I'm saying, or else people it wouldn't make sense. So yes, I did indirectly. And yeah, the answer to my question now is, is very different, right? I tell a whole story around that. I'm happy to share the answer to it. But, but yes, it's definitely a lifelong journey. Please share. Sure, happy to. happy to. It's a bit long, so, so hear me out a little. So, so I was watching a TikTok the other day. And the TikTok featured Taylor Swift, obviously, the musician. And, and the video was about how she won an award, like Woman of the Year, okay, by Billboard. It's like a music company. And she stands up on, on the podium and she says this. She says, your future woman of the year is 11 years old right now. She's sitting in a choir. She's playing piano the first time. And we need to take care of her. And then what happens, as I'm watching this TikTok, is it flips. So it flips to seven years later. And Billie Eilish becomes the youngest inductee in the history of Billboard at the age of 17 and wins woman of the year. So she gets up on that stage, and I'm just quoting her directly here. she got this big, puffy jacket. She's like, yo, what's up, everyone? I can't believe I won this award. Taylor had such a great speech. And then she says something that changes my life. And then she says, I watched Taylor's speech in 2014, and I was 11 years old. And I started choir, and I learned piano, and I had big dreams. So the only thing I have left to say, Billboard, is thank you for taking care of me. And when that TikTok ended, I sat there with myself and I asked myself, what are we doing for the next Elon Musk? Because when Elon Musk was 15 years old, nobody gave a shit about him. Nobody helped him about his communication skills because he's just a kid in South Africa. No one was telling him, hey, you're going to have big dreams. You should be a great communicator. Did he still become successful? Yes. But if he had a communication coach when he was 15 or some free videos or something, would somebody have helped him? Yes. But here's the thing, you two. I thought about the Elon Musk right now, who might be a 15-year-old girl in Cambodia that we don't know about, we're never going to hear about until she's successful. What are we doing for her? And I realized I was the only human being on the planet who was willing to share all of this information for free, and I was young enough to relate to her. So I made a decision to do that. So that's my way.
2: Oh, I love that. Yeah, thanks. That is a wonderful Takeaway. Thank you so much, Brendan. Our Thank guest you. today on Late Boomers has been definitely rockstar communicator Brendan Kumarasamy, speaker, coach, and founder of Master Talk, where he works with executives and entrepreneurs to become top communicator communicators in the workplace and in their personal lives. Check out his YouTube channel, Master Talk, and his website rockstarcommunicator.com. Thank you, Brendan.
3: Thank you, both of you. Such a pleasure.
1: <laughs> and please follow us on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and our and our Late Boomers account. And if you have a contact for someone you'd like us to feature on Late Boomers, please drop us a line at lateboomers.biz. B-I-Z. Thanks again, Brendan.
3: Of course. Pleasure. <laughs>
2: We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.
0: Calling all speakers. eWomen network has speaking engagements all over North America. That must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to ewomennetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our speakers network. That's ewomennetwork.com. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.